And let's begin. Welcome everyone to MANA Ministry. If you are with us for the first time, you may be wondering, what is MANA Ministry? So we're going to give a little context so you could understand where we're from. So MANA Ministry is a ministry that we first began in person. Now we've been through a difficult situation, which is COVID, right? It's affected all of our lives and it's affected this ministry. So for the past 10 months, we have to have this study uh, Mana Ministry, this ministry, virtually. And we previously just finished our previous series on what, Katie? On relationships. It was a wonderful study. Loved it. It was. And what was the title of that study? Seasons of Love. So basically going through the different seasons, season of singlehood, season of relationships, marriage, parenting, etc., Mm-hmm. It was very exciting. We did not anticipate that it would last 10 months, but it did. And so now we are that much more excited to begin this new series, which is called Truth Prescriptions. We're so thankful to God for being able to allow us to choose a title that we're going to integrate throughout the rest of our episodes. And we want to just remind you that this new series is going to be on a different day right, Katie? It's going to be on Thursdays. Um, I know some may be thinking it's on Fridays, but if you are unable to join us on Thursdays, you can join us on Fridays via a recorded session that will be uploaded to YouTube. So we are excited for Truth Prescriptions, our new mental health series. Was there anything else, Katie, you wanted to add to that? Yes. So with Truth Prescriptions, we will be your hosts. And so we'll just have a quick introduction. My name is Dr. Katie Elson. And I'm Christelle Olasaran. And I'm a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And we are your host. Yes. And we're also sisters. <laughs> yes. We happen to be sisters. <laughs> so being a mental health professional is one of the things we want to start off as a disclaimer is the purpose and intent of this series. Um, because thinking, oh, you're mental health professionals. This means this is a mental health series. Um, But we want to ensure that the intent of this series is not to provide treatment nor to be a substitute for for professional advice, diagnosis, treatment, et cetera. Instead, the purpose is coming really from a spiritual approach to provide spiritual guidance of how to utilize the Bible as a practical guide for one's mental well-being. So we encourage you that for you to please seek out the advice of a mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any um, questions or concerns you might have in regards to your mental health condition. Yes, and in addition to that, if you are in a crisis or you think you may have an emergency, we do encourage you to call your doctor or 911 immediately, or you may be having suicidal thoughts. There is a hotline number 1-800-273-8255 in which you can talk to a skilled mental health professional at a crisis center near your area at any time. So if you are located outside of the United States, we never know who's watching, call your local emergency line immediately. Yes, and we just like to say, um, really from our perspective of mental health professionals, it has been just such a joy to see how there is a lot of guidance through the Bible. And that's really what we'll be emphasizing throughout the series. But before we jump into the series, we have a couple other household items which include, uh, Chriselle mentioned a change to to our platform, which we mentioned from YouTube 
to Zoom, although we will be recording these Zoom sessions and uploading them to our YouTube channel. And uh, one thing that we really appreciate about Zoom is we have the opportunity to participate. All of you have the opportunity to participate through the group chat. And so we will be eliciting your participation. Um, and one of the key things about mental health and the importance of mental health well-being is to have connection. Mm -hmm. And so in this time of COVID, it's hard to have true connection, but we also want connection through the chat. We recognize that mental health is a sensitive topic. And so if for any reason, you don't want your name to be a part of that chat, you can also just send directly a message to myself or to Crystal as your host. And that you can do it at, Crystal, do you mind just messaging the group so that the pop, the chat can pop up for them so they know where to write? Yes. Um, and so you'll see that. And then a couple of other things that we just want to mention, Crystal mentioned already, it's bi-weekly. And that's, the purpose of that is really because there's so much good content that we want to be able to provide as well as give you time to respond. We'll have some prescriptions for you that you can really work on throughout those two weeks until we meet again. And then another change that we have is Mana Ministry um, really came, was, came out of the a ministry of to reach, um, to reach everyone. Um, it, there was a focus at one point to just reach Christians, um, but with mental health being such a needed topic, our audience is really Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, you know, all the different types of people because we all have mental health needs. And so with that in mind, what we really want to encourage you is to subscribe, to follow, to share with a friend. Chriselle? Yes. And so please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have not yet watched our relationship series, we encourage you to do so. Um, it was a blessing and it was such a joy to be able to partake in that. And so if you have not, go ahead and watch those videos, as well as if you are on Instagram. Instagram is where this ministry posts all our flyers, our announcements, etc. And so you can find us, Man and Ministry, and you can follow us on Instagram. But we do ask, please subscribe, follow, and share with a friend. As Katie was saying, mental health is on a hype right now. And so we are taking advantage of that. And we are wanting to connect with as many people as possible. And I know sometimes it's a little, I don't know if awkward is the right word, but it's a little hard sometimes to share and to encourage a friend. But as Chriselle just mentioned, Mental health is something we all need. So it's whether you yourself are in need, whether a friend, a family member, a stranger, we didn't emphasize this as much last, uh, last series, but, and this is no way to say, hey, we want more followers. Hey, we want more subscribers. This is truly for the importance of sharing mental health resources. And it's really hard to find good quality mental health resources on the truth. And so we encourage you to please share. It's not that difficult, whether on social media, with a friend via email or text. It's, it's something that's very, very much so needed. Yes. And I have noticed that several have begun sharing. So thank you. Yes, already. Great. Already. Yes. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Lord in heaven, we want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to 
continue maintaining connection. Even though we are not in person altogether, we are here on a virtual platform. We thank you for allowing this connection to, to happen. And most importantly, we ask that you guide us in all understanding and all truth, Lord. We're here because we're seeking the truth. There is so much out there that can get so confusing of where the truth lies. And so we're here asking that the truth be revealed to each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All okay. right. So are we ready? Yes, we are <laughs> ready. So as Crystal mentioned before, this will be a different format. So if you joined us in our last series, it's going to actually be quite different. Mm -hmm. And we used to have a time for song, for testimonies, prayer requests, etc. Um, but instead, we'll be having an activity and an activity that's very relevant to our topic for that day. So it won't always be the same activity. So each, um, every episode will have something different. So stay tuned. And this activity for today will be a true or false, right? Very relevant to the truth prescriptions topic for today, a true or false activity. And Crystal is going to be leading out this, this activity. Yes. And so we may not be having our videos on or audio on, but we do have that chat, right? And so we encourage you to pull out that chat and respond to each of each of these either fact or myth, right? I'm not going to tell you which is which, but let us know what you think. And I think this activity is really crucial for the, the episode that we're doing, the topic we're doing today, because it helps us become aware if we really know the statistics, the truth behind mental health. There's a lot that's said out there, but the question is what is true and what is false, right? And so let's go ahead and begin for number one. For so just a reminder, have people you're gonna type true yes. or false. So she'll read the statement and then just type. And the responses will be given throughout the presentation. Yes. Okay, ready to begin? Okay, four out of 10 Americans suffer from mental health difficulties. Is that true or false? Take a moment. Wow, good. You guys are on it. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Next. Or Katie, are we going to reveal it? No, we'll reveal it during our episode. That okay. way people have to stay tuned. <laughs> They're like, okay, I already learned off, right? Okay, next one. Success in therapy depends mostly on finding the best therapist. Is that true or false? We have some therapists that are joining us tonight, and they're probably going to be like, true, true. It's all <laughs> depending on me. <Nina. laughs> <laughs> okay, number three. People with mental health problems always struggle, never fully recover. There's no cure. Okay, good. Next, suicide is a leading cause of death. True or false? Okay, I see that we're having some differing answers here. Okay. Next, a key aspect of successful therapy is changing one's thoughts. True or false? This one's taking a while. 
some people to think, hmm, is that true or false, right? I was tempted to answer, but then I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> okay. We have a truthful, I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's go to the next one. We need to switch from negative thinking to positive thinking. True or false? Okay, we have some varying answers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And for our last one, less than 25% of individuals suffering with mental illness receive mental health treatment, medication plus therapy. True or false? True. Okay. Good job, guys, with your responses. And so stay tuned because the answers are coming up. I do see we have varying answers, huh, Katie? Yes, we do. So this is an activity to kind of start wetting the appetite a little bit mm -hmm. as we prepare for our main topic. But one thing that we will have consistently every single episode is a way to get to know each other. We did have this in the last series and that's an icebreaker question. It was one of our favorite parts because we really learned about mm -hmm. one another. Mm -hmm. So an icebreaker question will ask the question. And so we want you to respond by saying your name and the response to the question. And again, if you're not comfortable sharing your name, that's fine. Um, if you want to just send your response or if you'd like to send them directly to myself or Purcell, whichever you prefer. So the question, drum roll, is what's the best mental health advice you've been given? And if you want to share, by whom? Yes. The best mental health advice you've been given. So your name and then your response to this question. And we are still in the chat room. Yes. Please send them into the chat. And I always forget, Purcell, whenever we come up with these questions, that we have to answer them too. So let me think about my own response. The best mental health advice. Yes. I know that that's a hard, hard thing to sift through all. Oh, someone already has one. Awesome. So they don't share their name. Yeah. I'm assuming you don't want us to say your name. Okay. Just so you know, I can see your name. But if you don't say your name specifically in your response, we will not say your name. Okay. So we have our first one. Response is mental health is just as important as physical health. That is some great advice. <laughs> Another person says, I don't remember a specific one. It's hard, right? Yes. There's a lot of people willingly giving some advice out there, right? And if you don't remember a specific or the best one, and you just want to share one that comes to mind, feel free. Mm -hmm. Crystal, do you have one? Well, what comes to mind is when I was back in school and supervisors that would supervise me would give me advice on how to be the best, I guess, or a great therapist. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about this earlier this week that one of my supervisors said the best approach for therapy is to ensure that there is an element of humor. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that's the best advice, but that was given to me. <laughs> True. I'm trying to distinguish between 
advice I've received versus advice I'm, I'm giving or things. I know, I, huh? Yes. Okay. Well, we have another one. It says, make sure you feel comfortable connection with your therapist. Mm -hmm. That is crucial. Mm -hmm. Yes. We have another one here. I'm Selene. Hello, Selene. Good to see you or read about you. <laughs> she says, shared by a friend, God's love for me is what defines my identity. Mm. Yes, yeah, so identity is a huge piece when it comes to mental health. Oftentimes it's not discussed, but it is a huge piece of mental health. Yes, and you know, God's love is constant. So that means your identity is constant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, we have a good one. Yes, we have one that says the best therapy is psychology as in cycling <laughs> that one's I thought about giving somebody that the shirt that says i'm a psychologist but with the cycling on it yeah, that's cool so katie how about your response oh that's you know actually in preparing for this i decided to ask my clients i, I run a dbt group and i asked them this and i heard their responses uh, and i'm trying to Think about what's the one that I shared. Um, the best mental health advice you've been given. Oh, that's tough. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really trying here. I should I have thought about this before. You know, sometimes we ask you all the hard questions, but then we forget that we have to answer them. The best mental health advice. Okay, good. We have another response. Buy me some time. So this one says, try finding a therapist that shares your ethnic background or cultural background. That oh, is I, I remember. So this one I had heard, mm -hmm. and then I was like, wow, this is gold. And I just I share it with a lot of my patients. So my name is Katie. And the best mental health advice I've been given was those who hurt deeply, love deeply. Oh, yes. And I heard this in the context of grief. And it's something that I share with my clients and patients all the time. Because often when we have the hurt, we want to dismiss the hurt. We don't want the hurt. But you hurt deeply because you love deeply. Mm. And I wouldn't want to dismiss the hurt because I've been able to experience such great love. Mm. We have another one here. The whole body works together. Exercise and diet can help. Food can be medicine, Dr. Carolyn Reed. Yes. And we'll talk about that in future episodes mm -hmm. of how even lifestyle can impact our mental health. Yes. We have another one here that says, find a therapist who respects your spiritual beliefs. Yes, it's true. Very important. Yes. Great responses, you guys. Great responses. Yes, we have another one. My name is Robert. Hello, Robert. Hi, Robert. The best one that I got is that God suffers with us. When we suffer, God is exactly where he was when his only son was on the cross. This came in time I was doubting where God was when in my country we were dealing with the consequences of the war and genocide. Mm. Wow. Wise person who spoke to you, Robert. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. All right. Well, we always encourage you all to continue to send them in if they come to mind, but we will continue because we want to get to the gold of our content today. And that is the topic. So it's the name of our series, but it's also the topic for today as an introduction, an overview of truth prescriptions. Right. And yeah. we'll elaborate. We, we like to just say in the beginning, this is a general overview. And so if you feel like we're just scratching the surface, and you're like, I want more, I want more. It's okay. We will elaborate on each of these things for further in future episodes. Yes. And Katie, just so those who are watching, if you are having any question that comes to mind or you want to respond like, that's great, or yes, feel free to continue the interaction amongst all of you in the chat. Um, it, it will try our best to address any questions that may be there, but there may be questions that we're thinking, oh, we're going to address that in another episode. So just because we didn't vocalize it out loud does not mean we ignored it. Okay. Yes. And we just had another response to the, to the icebreaker question. So I'll read that. I'm Martha Lissette. Sometimes positive thinking can turn into toxic positivity excessive and ineffective overgeneralization, something happy and optimistic state in any situation, for example, hiding how you really feel, minimizing others' experiences, mm. or dismissing your own, learn through a presentation at school. Yes. And that was actually one of our true and false yes. questions. And that's something we'll briefly address later on. And yes, Chriselle, great reminder. Please, please utilize the chat throughout. If you hadn't joined us in our previous series, what you say in the chat really does direct also the conversation and is relevant to our topic. So it's not just us presenting, we do value input um, and questions and we try our best to answer them according to the lesson. And sometimes we might just keep them in mind for future episodes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So today, truth prescriptions, what we'll be doing again is utilizing the Bible and having a biblical approach while utilizing research and mental health research to support the Bible, not the other way around. So the biblical approach, but also looking at research. And we want to start off by saying just a little bit about what motivated us to do this study and series. Um, so if you're not aware, which most likely you are aware, there is a mental health crisis. So we'll already answer two of the questions that we had in activity, Priscilla? Yes. So I believe it was the first one. Four out of 10 Americans do suffer from a mental illness. Right, Katie? Yes. And that, you may have noticed, is different than the typical stat that was is typically mentioned of one, one in four or one in five. And that's because with COVID, the rates have dramatically increased. And so that's 40% of Americans. And to be honest, I think that's underestimated because that's only what's reported and not everyone endorsed certain symptoms. So four of 10 Americans do suffer with um, mental illness or mental health difficulties. So just for thinking about yourself in the context of your friends, right? How many are suffering? And one thing that I've once heard is like, hey, how do you know someone's suffering? They're smiling because we're really good at hiding. Mm, yes. And for the other true and false, 
that we're addressing at this moment is in regards to suicide. Suicide is a leading cause of death. And right along with the COVID situation, the pandemic, higher numbers, unfortunately, and even so we're seeing suicide amongst younger children, unfortunately, that is the case. And so yes, it is a leading cause of death. Although it's stigmatized, right? Oftentimes, we don't talk about it, we don't mention it, but it is happening. And what's so sad is this is actually a third of our twin falls, is that the crisis has risen, um, has gotten more severe, and yet stats show that less than 25% of people who actually struggle actually end up having, receiving mental health treatment. Mm -hmm. And the breakdown of that is, what do you think, I want to hear your responses, which one do you think um, is utilized more, medications or therapy? This isn't, it should be an easy one. In terms of those seeking treatment. Yes. So the 25% or less than 25%, but of the 25%, which one do you think is utilized more, medication or therapy? Okay, so we have a response, mm -hmm. probably meds. Mm -hmm. Okay. What else? Anybody else think differently or the same? Yes. Medication. Medication. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. And oh, someone thinks therapy. So mm -hmm. about 16% medication and 9% therapy. So almost double medication, right? Mm -hmm. that definitely, especially in America, where that is the way that our system works. Um, and that teaches us that with a mental health crisis and with very low utilization of treatment, especially therapists, that people are looking for help. Mm -hmm. And people are not just looking for help, but they're looking for good quality help. Mm -hmm. And so my sister and I and our team to all together, we're like, okay, well, we know of certain things that can be of the utmost help. And the way that our approach tonight will be from the three P's. Crystal, what are the three P's? The three P's are the prescriber, the prescription, and then the patient. And so we're going to be approaching our truth prescription today from those three perspectives, right? Yes. And what makes, what qualities make the best prescriber? So you might say, what am I supposed to be looking in a therapist, mm -hmm. right? And then from a prescription, what type of therapy should I be looking for? And then even the patient, what type of patient or client should I be in order to find, to have success, success. Right? To have the optimal mental well-being. So this is where we're going to transition to our main content for tonight. And again, utilizing the Bible. So if you don't have your Bibles with you. We encourage you to go get one, to bring them out, to use an app because um, we will be using the Bible quite a bit tonight. Yes. And so let's begin. So we're going to begin with the prescriber, right? And so we have a question, and we tend to have lots of questions you're going to see. <laughs> what are the top qualities that are necessary for a good therapist? What would you say are the top qualities that are necessary for a good therapist? Let's see your responses. Yes. So message them in the chat. Mm -hmm. What do you think are the top qualities that are necessary for a good therapist? I'm going to take some time to think, huh? 
I said top. What are the top? And just, you know, we're not looking for, we're not grading these answers. No. So just message them because for, for the sake of time, we'll, we'll go through them very quickly. Okay. So we have one affordable. That's definitely something that people have to keep in mind because yeah. treatment is expensive. And mm -hmm. so the therapist who could see me that I can afford. Okay. Mm -hmm. Listening and meeting people where they are perceiving rather than assuming. Mm -hmm. I like that. Okay. Anyone else top qualities that are necessary for a good therapist? I can't respond because I know. <laughs> Anyone else? I think people are thinking here, huh, Katie? Unsure. You know, sometimes people may not even think about, is there a difference between a good therapist, not a good therapist? Is a therapist just a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. They're all good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Katie, are we going to give the top qualities? Yes, of course. So if you want to take notes. So they've done research on this and um, they have done research on. So for example, in the past, in the sixties, um, the way that they defined the best. Um, oh no, that's actually, I'll get back to that later, but um, they, They've done research and they have several qualities and we'll give the top five qualities. So the number one that you hear often in the mental health world is that the therapist has to be empathic. Mm -hmm. Empathy, right? What is empathy? Well, ah, empathy? We already have Robert here says being able to put him or herself in the patient's mm -hmm. shoes, exactly. understanding or sharing, feeling the feelings and pain of others. So mm -hmm. a therapist should be empathic. Mm -hmm. And why? If someone's wondering, what's so significant about being empathic, a therapist who's able to put themselves in your shoes? What would you say, Katie? Well, I think it's the, the desire to be understood, the desire to be heard, the desire to, if somebody understands, then they can also help right? And they have a strong desire to help. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, that's the quality of the best therapist. And so the question is, well, what, what does the Bible have to say about this? Mm -hmm. So if we turn to Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, Hebrews chapter four, verse 15. And it reads, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was an all points, not some, all points, tempted as we are yet without sin. So we see in this verse, in terms of having a person who's empathic, what does it say here, Katie? That we have somebody who can truly, truly empathize. And this goes along with Robert's response earlier um, when, he, when he talked about the best mental health advice he had received was, knowing that God has suffered as we have suffered, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's not just a, a therapist that can empathize or sympathize. Oh, I can understand. Actually, for me as a therapist, I typically tell my clients, I can't understand. 
I, I don't imagine, I can't imagine what you're actually going through because I, I just don't quite know. But Jesus can because he actually suffered in all points and tempted in all points as we have. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. It's hard to absorb that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. We have someone here who mentions Isaiah chapter 53 verses three to five, mm -hmm. stating that it shows his empathy for us. So, so that's number one, right, Katie? Yep. A prescriber that has empathy, that is able to put themselves in your shoes to truly feel the pain of others. And the best example of this is Jesus Christ himself. So what's the second one, Katie? What's another quality? Unconditional, best therapist? unconditional positive regard, which is a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Unconditional positive regard. What exactly is that? Well, are you asking them? Or are you asking me to say it? <laughs> no, for you to say it. I mean, they so, can respond. They can respond if they want. Yeah. Yes, and so it actually comes from a theory. That's where this this term or terms, this concept comes from. For those who are familiar, um, it's in regards to Carl Rogers, who was in himself a psychologist, and he came from the approach of client-centered therapy primarily humanistic, um, a humanistic theory. Now, we're not going to go into the details of that, but just to give the background, essentially, unconditional positive regard is when the, there's basic acceptance and support of a person, regardless of what the person says or does. So there's nothing that that person can do that will make you think differently or feel differently for them. I don't know about you, but that seems kind of difficult to do, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> yes. And so maybe you're thinking, well, what type of therapist out there can actually do that? Have unconditional positive regard for their counselee or for their client or for their patient. What would be the response to that, Katie? I aim for it as a therapist. Um, and I think we often say, oh, yeah, of course, it's a non-judgmental safe space. Mm -hmm. But this says, you know, unconditional. This is saying that you can accept them no matter what the person says or does. And I'll be honest, as a therapist, sometimes my clients tell me things and I have a reaction, right? And of course, in my head, I'm saying, Katie, don't judge or Katie, help me understand. And my motto is, you know, everyone has a good reason for even bad things that they do. So it does help me try to understand and have unconditional positive regard. But it is hard for me as a human, right, to, to not judge and to not have that reaction. Yeah. But once again, I think you're going to pick up on this theme, right? That while we may have a hard time finding that type of therapist, maybe nearly impossible. Actually, I would say it's kind of impossible because we all have our background that makes us biased. We'll try our best not to be. But at the same time, we are who we are. Um, Jesus Christ he has unconditional positive regard for every single one of us, regardless of where we come from, of who we are, the things we've done. Um, that's, that's pretty incredible. And to prove this, we can turn to a verse in the Bible, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Can you read that, Katie, briefly, please? Yeah, so this one is one that I also use in, in therapy for, for my clients. It says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. 
Like, how does he demonstrate that love? Mm. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. And that's really powerful because um, Paul also talks, he says, you know, maybe you could die for a friend, but would you die for an enemy? Right? I don't know how many of you here would be like, yes, me. You know, I, yeah, I'll die for my enemy. But it says that while we were still sinners, he chose to die for us. That's unconditional positive regard. He, he saw our sinful state and he still chose to die for us. Yeah. Okay. So we have an empathic therapist and unconditional, one who has unconditional positive regard. Third is a therapist that is hopeful and we put also along the lines of a cheerleader. What does that mean? You may be wondering, a hopeful and cheerleader, the same thing? Well, essentially, what we mean by cheerleader is a person who motivates you, who wants what's best for you, who has what's best in mind for you. Mm-hmm. And they believe that change and healing is possible. It, just imagine if you are in treatment with a therapist, and they're in their head thinking, things are not going to get better for this person. That would definitely change their their energy towards their approach towards therapy, their perspective of you, it would change everything. And so to have a hopeful and a cheerleader as your therapist is really crucial. Yes. So again, believing that change is possible and healing is possible. Mm-hmm. And this is really important because there are some therapists that depending on your worldview, can believe that, oh, mental illness is something that's biological, it's hereditary, that you can't ever get better. And if that therapist has that worldview, it's definitely going to impact the outcome of your treatment. Mm -hmm. The word in the Bible for hope in Greek is elpis. And it means um, that there's a desire of some good but with an expectation of obtaining it. So hope is not just expectation of some good. Mm-hmm. It has the expectation of obtaining it. And so if you think about that from a biblical perspective for self, mm-hmm. what does that mean to have God as our therapist? Is he hopeful about our outcomes, our mental health outcomes? I mean, he created us. Mm-hmm. He, from the beginning, he was hopeful. From the beginning, he's our cheerleader. I love the verse in Jeremiah, and most of you may be familiarized with this. If not, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Mm-hmm. This one is a verse that is often shared, and it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says mm-hmm. the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I love this verse because it combines the hopeful. And as well as a cheerleader, that he wants what's best for us, thoughts of peace for us. He is our cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And that goes along with Philippians 1, 1 6 that says, He who has begun, right, a good work in you, he started it and he's confident that he shall complete it. So he can be hopeful in our outcome because he's the one who started, you know the good work in you of healing and he will complete it. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to just say quickly, like I was talking to my sister about this um, and I know we have some therapists here tonight, so you can probably resonate with this. 
I, I remember so many times in which I've just complimented or praised a mm. client and I was like, wow, you're just doing such a great job. Or, you know, I had a parrot and I was like, mom, I am so impressed with how much you've changed. Like what you just did with your son, I'm so impressed. And they like have this reaction to you like, oh, like they've never received a compliment before, or they've never been praised. And we know that often as a child, they weren't positively reinforced. They weren't encouraged. They weren't praised. And so even as adults, they're like, oh, wow, somebody actually believes in me. And that's how I view God. He's a constant cheerleader, right? And you do need a therapist that is a cheerleader and that is hopeful that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Yes. And this cheerleader, he's not going to all of a sudden stop cheering because he has unconditional positive regard as well. Right. So we have empathy, unconditional positive regard. We have hopeful cheerleader. Next is competent. What does it mean to be competent as a therapist, Katie? I mean, I just have to say like, yes, you can have someone who's empathic, someone who's, Uh you know, loving and have positive regard and as a cheerleader, but if they're not competent, like, yeah. <laughs> but Katie, what right, is you it want to be competent, competent as a therapist? Because competent means you got an education. Competent mm-hmm. means that you finished your hours and you're licensed. What does it mean to be competent in terms of being a great therapist? Yeah. So the way that I think about competence in regards to a therapist is somebody who can truly understand the problem, can truly understand um, the symptoms, the diagnosis, right? Case conceptualization. Um, Most importantly, the solution or a solution and be able to connect it from point A to point C. Right, mm-hmm. Katie? Yes. That would be competent. Yeah. Yes. And so understanding the problem and then therefore better understanding how to provide a solution. Mm-hmm. And we may be thinking, well, isn't that obvious? Isn't that what a therapist... Not necessarily. There are a lot of therapies out there that is simply like a free association where it's just, I come in, I share my, my feelings. And then the person listens and says, okay, that's, that's great that you got that out, but there's not necessarily a treatment plan. There's not a, there's not any goals. And so it makes you wonder, does this therapist really know what they're doing? Or am I just kind of giving them information about my life? And then they're giving me a response. So we see that in the Bible that God is a competent prescriber um, because he described the three main qualities that he's omniscient, omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, which means he's all knowing, he's all present, mm-hmm. and he's all powerful, right? If you think about those three qualities, those three qualities are really, really important for having a good therapist, right? Somebody who's all knowing, oh man, I don't know if I would want to be all knowing as a therapist, some things I don't want to know, but God knows. God knows. He's always present. That's also, I don't want to always be present, mm-hmm. um, but he's all powerful, right? He has, he has all knowing, all present, and he's all powerful. And therefore meaning he knows the, the problem completely, but he also has the complete ability for the solution. Yeah. And Katie, honestly, there's no therapist who can do that. 
obviously. <laughs> There's no therapist who can do that. So in terms of what is the best therapist so far, Christ is winning. God himself is winning, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so in terms of what the Bible has to say in regards to Christ being all powerful, all knowing, all present, we see in Psalms chapter 139, Psalms chapter 139, verses one through six. So I'm going to read through this. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So we see here that he knows all. All our, all our aspects of our being, right? All together, he knows us. And Colossians 2, 3 kind of just adds that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we would want him as the ultimate therapist. Yes. But the last quality, anyone want to guess what's the last quality? I'll give you a little hint. It has to do something with truth prescriptions (laughs) the last quality that is essential for a therapist for a good therapist is for them to be trustworthy which Mm -hmm. includes them being truthful so Christelle do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that of why is it necessary for a therapist to be trustworthy and truthful well to be trustworthy means many different things right Um, I think an element of being trustworthy is being consistent. Um, Just imagine if you are in a therapy session or multiple sessions where the therapist is not consistent with their approach. Some days you're going to work on one thing and other days it's like, wait, what's really going on here? (laughs) And you're confused. And you may even begin to start to feel insecure. Does this therapist really know what they're doing? And that lack of trust will begin to undermine your your connection with that therapist and therefore affect your results in therapy. And so an element of being trustworthy as a therapist is having consistency. You do not change. You're truthful. Um, Anything else you want to add to that, Katie? Well, I want you all just to have a moment to imagine you go see a therapist and they are 10 minutes late. And you're like, okay, okay, it's the first session. Maybe they went over with their previous clients, fine. Then the next session, they're 15 minutes late. Okay, okay, it's fine. And then the next time they're on time. Okay, that's good. The next time, um, let's say they start answering phone calls. Sadly, this does happen. This happens, yes. Um, They start answering phone calls during your session, right? essentially they're not consistent. Is that helpful for treatment? Is it helpful to build trust with your provider? Not at all. Yes. And another element, Katie, of consistency is being able to maintain treatment on a consistent basis. If it is once a month and then all of a sudden, okay, I'll see you next week. That really does affect the outcome of your treatment. I always suggest that it's best to have consistent treatment because it affects your progress in treatment. 
And someone here makes a comment, trust is vital to the health of any relationship, right? And the therapeutic alliance relationship is a relationship. It's a strange, sacred relationship, but it is a relationship. And I'll just say, you know, as a therapist, I try my best to be consistent, but I'm still human. And so I'm not perfect. So sometimes I do go over and another client, you know, is like trying to, you know, keep me with them. They do a doorknob confession, right? While I'm about to leave, they say something, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard because I'm not perfect, but the Bible shares that there is somebody that is completely trustworthy, somebody who changes not. And you can all probably guess who that is. God, right? Hebrews 13, eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not tomorrow, forever forever so that we can really rely on him because he changes not, which is also Malachi three, verse six. Another aspect to God that I really like is that he can't lie. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay. Yeah. Why is that important? That's so important because essentially what that means is that all these verses that we've been reading, they're the truth. There's nothing regarding him, which we know the Bible is all about him. That is a lie. Therefore, what does that mean? That everything that we learn from here is true. It's not a lie. And therefore, it can be trusted. And some of you maybe are thinking, well, I don't really trust the Bible. Or I don't really, ah, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that we encourage you throughout this series is to, to kind of test it according to mental health principles. So you can test it according to a prophecy lens. You can test it according to, um, you know, an archeological lens from all these different perspectives. As a mental health professional, I have tested it according to the principles of mental health and research. And I can just tell you from what I found, it is always consistent with the research. And if there's something that's a little off, it's typically the research. But I will say this, you're unsure about whether or not you can trust the Bible, stay with this series and ask yourself, are there any mental health principles in the Bible that are untrue? Mm. And so God does not lie. And I love that because, you know, he can't lie because if you were to say something, it would just, it would happen because he's true. And that's very different from the Bible says, well, there is somebody who is a liar Mm -hmm. and the father of all lies. And that is God's enemy. That is Satan. And this is so important. When I do therapy, I teach this to my clients because then they're able to say, okay, I'm having a negative, untruthful thought. Mm -hmm. Is that of God? No, that's of the enemy. So we have God as a God of all truth. And we have Satan as the father of all lies. And that's in John chapter eight, verse 44. Yes. What would you like me to read that Katie? Yes, of course. So John chapter eight, verse 44, you are of your father, the devil and the desires of your father. You want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and not just a liar, but the father of it all. Mm -hmm. So, to kind of close out this section here, we have the five qualities. And just to emphasize, John 14, 6 says that Jesus is the way, the truth, 
in the life. So we know him to be a truthful prescriber. And so what are the five qualities? Does anyone remember? Empathic? No? Unconditional positive regard. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were looking at the chat. Um, There was a a chat. Hopeful hopeful cheerleader. Mm -hmm. Competent competent and trustworthy. And trustworthy, truthful. And so, and you see in in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that Mm -hmm. a good summary is that it says that God is a wonderful counselor. So if you're saying, you're asking, what are the qualities that I should look for in a counselor, in a therapist, in a prescriber, right? then I can look for someone who's empathic, someone with unconditional positive regard, somebody who's hopeful, competent, trustworthy, and ultimately the one that meets meets that list and goes beyond that list is our wonderful counselor, God. Yes, and so he will be our prescriber through our mental health episodes. So if you are looking for the best prescriber, it's the truth. God, God himself is the best prescriber. So we've found a good prescriber. So what's next? What is the best prescription? So we've got the prescriber, but then let's talk about the treatment. What is the best prescription? So likewise, what we did earlier in terms of the top qualities for a therapist, now we're going to ask, what do you think are the top qualities that are necessary for a good prescription slash therapy? So let's see your responses. So what the are the top qualities? qualities? Yes. For good therapy. So in other words, some people ask, what do I look for? So maybe I found a good therapist, but what type of treatment or what type of therapy? Like mm-hmm. I've heard of so many different things of narrative therapy, solution focus, CBT, DBT. There's, there's CBT, so many out there. There's so many. What are the qualities that I should be looking for. We see, we hear, we see here biblical base, okay? Which I would say many of us say, but we don't even know what does that mean? What biblically based, do they use the actual Bible in therapy or mm-hmm. what does that really mean? We'll see, we'll answer that briefly today. The other qualities that are necessary for good therapy. Mm-hmm. Therapist, I'd be curious to hear from you. What do you think determines good therapy? The world needs needs more spirit-filled therapists, which means essentially that their therapist is God himself that guides them in all understanding and in the truth. Okay. Okay, so we have a response here that says, if it's medication, it shouldn't be addictive. Okay. So that if there is a component of treatment that has medication, that it shouldn't lead us into an addiction, mm-hmm. okay? which can happen, especially when it comes to pain medication. Okay, someone else says goal-oriented, question mark, or at least has a direction according to the client's needs. Okay. okay. Let's have one more response, Katie. Yes. You don't want to wait too long because... Time is ticking. Mm-hmm. Good responses. So for effective treatment, good prescription. Compassion. 
you can feel free to continue to message your responses. Um, so this is this comes from a research article. I'm going to read a quote. It's from what are the key characteristics of a good psychotherapy calling for ethical patient involvement? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read a quote. It says that uh, psychotherapeutic treatment necessarily calls for acknowledging and strengthening the active role of patients in the course of psychotherapy. Accordingly, patients need not only to be informed openly and transparently about the planned treatment, the treatment rationale, and the expected prognosis of improvement in the course of psychotherapy, but they also need to be actively involved in the decision-making process and during the entire process of psychotherapeutic treatment. If you are like me, when people read quotes, you missed all of that. I'm going to summarize. Basically, it's saying that therapy and good quality therapy needs to encourage an active role of patients in treatment itself. And so it's saying how a lot of times therapists are the ones who plan treatment, who have a treatment rationale, who have, you know, a certain course of psychotherapy, but they also need, yes, therapists, that's part of their expert role, but they need to actively involve the patients in the decision-making process. So one of the top qualities of a good prescription or good therapy is having a collaborative approach. Crystal, what does that mean, collaborative? Essentially, it means to have teamwork, to be able to create your treatment plan together versus having the therapist say to you, okay, this is the problem. Okay, this is what I'm going to do and just show up. Mm-hmm. No, what we, what's so powerful about having collaborative work is that eventually therapy is going to end. And if you were not taught how to make decisions for yourself, the moment that you're not in front of your therapist, you're going to feel clueless. You're going to feel like, where's my therapist? What would my therapist say? Because you never had the opportunity to be involved in your treatment. Mm-hmm. The real treatment is not necessarily the time with your therapist. It's when you apply it outside because the real world is beyond those walls. And a lot of people are fearful of therapy because they may or may not trust a therapist. And so one thing that I always encourage people when they're seeking therapy is take an active role in your therapy, mm-hmm. ask questions, challenge a therapist, like um, mindfulness, what exactly is mindfulness? And we'll talk, we'll have a whole episode probably about that as well, because we're so scared, but it's important to be actively involved in therapy. And so when you're looking at a therapeutic approach, whether a modality, you have to ask, how much control does the therapist have? And how much involvement do I have? For example, hypnosis, a lot of control from the therapist, basically a patient getting over their control. So one key component of a good therapy is collaborative, collaborative approach. Yes. And we see that in the Bible. Mm-hmm. We think often that God is controlling, but Crystal, how does God actually deal with us? Yes. And so if we turn to Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 12 and 13. And we had read verse 11, right? The, where I know the plans that I have for you. So that's God saying, I have these plans. But there's also our response to those plans. It's not just God being one-sided mm-hmm. as the prescriber. 
It's teamwork, right? Mm. And so verse 12 says, then you will call upon me and I will go and pray to me or and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so we'll find him, but it's contingent upon us searching for him. Yes. And actually one of the verses I think that's really a good one to emphasize when it comes to collaboration mm-hmm. is when God says, come, let us reason together, right? Mm-hmm. God is not a God that's saying, I want to control your life. That's why we have sin in this world is because he gives us choice. Mm-hmm. So God is not a God that wants control. And we shouldn't find therapists that want just control or a, a therapy approach that is all about the therapist. It really should be collaborative. Yes. Okay. So that's number one. Number two is truthful. (laughs) We're having this theme of the truth, right? It's truthful. What does that even mean? Are all treatments, aren't they truthful? Because I mean, it's a treatment. Isn't there some truth in them? Aren't they all effective? Mm -hmm. Well, not necessarily. And so when we're thinking about what's a truthful treatment, we think about it being evidence-based treatment you have not heard of that, Katie, elaborate us. What does it mean to be evidence-based treatment? So evidence-based treatment means that it has gone through rigor scientific Mm -hmm. studies to determine whether or not it's effective, right? Because anyone can put a treatment manual together and be like, okay, there's therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what you want to do is you want to do your research. So Yes, we're having a biblical emphasis on this and how the Bible can be a a treatment. But also in regards to looking for treatments and therapies, you have to do your research of, okay, this therapist says that they're doing solution focus. Is that even evidence-based? Is that something that research has been conducted to see if it's actually helpful for people with problems like myself? And that also includes not just looking for research studies that look at the positive benefits you have to find ones that also look if there's any negative benefits. So for example, um, there are studies on meditation where it looks at all all the benefits, but it doesn't look at the negative side effects. And so you want to be able to look at a study and see if it's actually biased. You want a truthful study that looks at whether or not it's actually um, helpful for different types of disorders. Yes. And so if you're like, how am I going to be able to know what treatment's being used for me? You have all the right to ask your therapist, ask them, what approach are you going to utilize in my treatment? What theories do you utilize in your approach? What treatment are you going to be giving me? And then you may not have any clue what they say, have them write it down, go home and do your research. That's part of being collaborative. That's part of you being involved in your treatment, because you'd be shocked. Not all therapists have evidence-based treatment. And so what's really important, well, let me, let's, let's look at an example of an evidence-based treatment. Mm -hmm. Many of you have heard of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. If you research CBT, you're going to find it to be one of the most effective treatments Mm -hmm. worldwide and not just worldwide, but for many, many disorders. Crystal, what are some examples of disorders? There are many. Ready for the list? Yes. So it could be utilized for substance use disorder, schizophrenia, other psychotic disorders, 
depression, dysthenia, bipolar disorder, anxiety disorders, somatoform disorders, eating disorders, insomnia, personality disorders, anger, aggression, criminal behaviors, general stress, distress due to general medical conditions, chronic pain, fatigue, distress related to pregnancy complications and female hormonal conditions. That's a handful. <laughs> well, wait, Christelle, you said even schizophrenia. I thought yes. schizophrenia could only be treated by medication. Nope, not true. Medication is necessary, but there is a component of treatment through therapy that can assist that person to work through their struggles with that mental health diagnosis. And on top of that, it's been utilized with individuals, couples, families, children, older adults, all different populations. And it's arguably one of the most studied and most utilized worldwide. worldwide. So that gives you confidence that CBT can be a truthful um, and yeah, truthful evidence-based treatment. And CBT has several branches, right? There's several ways or different types of treatments that also stem from CBT. For example, DBT, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy has the same core tenets, which we'll talk about in a little bit. CPT is like CBT for trauma, mm -hmm. uh, trauma focused. And so different types of modalities also for additional problems. So for example, DBT is more borderline personality disorder, um, a lot more severe, complex clinical cases. Mm -hmm. But maybe they're wondering, Katie, well, okay, so yes, it's evidence-based, it's utilized worldwide. There's something about these treatments that are making them effective. What, what is it, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I'd be curious to know. Yeah, so I'm actually gonna share, let me see if I should share a slide right now. Um, about there's three core tenants. Mm -hmm that we as human beings, um, we comprise of three main things. So let me just share my screen quickly here. We should see if they can guess while you're searching. <laughs> oh, you already put it up. <laughs> we can see it, yes. Okay, so we have behaviors, we have thoughts, and we have emotions. And these are three core tenets of both therapy and ourselves. So for example, if I have the thought, today is going to be the worst day ever, right? That thought is going to lead to a certain feeling. How might I feel, Crystal, if I had that thought? Happy? Uh, no, I'd be kind of sad. I'd be just my energy level, like will affect the way that I feel. Yeah. So I would, I would be depressed, right? Because worst day ever. Yeah. And then that feeling depressed, then will lead to a behavior. Maybe I don't want to get out of bed, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe I, I cancel, I call into cancel work. And then that behavior then leads again back to another thought. Oh, look, see, I can't even get out of bed. I'm such wow. a fear. What a boring day. I knew this day was going to be horrible. Exactly. And so thoughts lead to feelings, lead to behaviors, and it can start with behaviors, right? Maybe I yell at my loved one and then yelling made me think I'm such a bad sister or I'm such a bad mom or whatever it may be. And then, so it can start with any, which one of these, but they're all connected. 
Mm-hmm. And what I find so fascinating about this, and th- these are really the, the core aspects of CBT, DBT, CPT, is that this is actually founded in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I remember when I discovered this, I was like, wow, like, of course it comes from the Bible, but <laughs> Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, verses 22 and 23. And this is just one that has all three of them in one verse, but the Bible talks about thoughts, emotions, and behaviors throughout. And we'll really uh, dive deep into these three over the course of our series. I literally have like a bank of, of verses that I turn to for each of these tenets. So Ephesians 4 verses 22 and 23 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. So put off your behaviors, Mm -hmm. which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, emotions, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, which are thoughts. So we see how there's a connection between our behaviors, our thoughts, and our emotions. And again, uh, one of the, the true or false questions were, uh, we need to switch from negative thinking to positive thinking. Some, and I think people were mixed on that one. So you were ready for the answer, Chriselle, is that true or false? We need to switch from negative thinking to positive thinking. That's false. But Chriselle, the whole <laughs> world is telling me, just be positive. You got to be optimistic. How is that false? Well, oftentimes when we are trying to be positive, we are actually lying to ourselves, avoiding a problem or denying the truth, Mm -hmm. right? And so I always say it's not necessarily being a positive thought, but what's realistic? Is there evidence to support that thought that you have? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if it is a thought that isn't necessarily a positive thought and you evaluate that thought according to the triangle, which we'll show in another episode how that pertains to treatment and how to utilize it for treatment, um, you can begin to recognize things in yourself that needs to change. But if you continue to maintain denial and think, be positive, be positive, be positive, be positive, you you won't see any change come from that. The example I like to give to my clients for that is if you have the the thought, I'm the worst person, Mm -hmm. like I'm just, I did something and I'm the worst person ever, right? If you say, just be positive. No, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like, you know, uh, you know, that that's okay. You don't take responsibility. You're not the worst person. So that's overly negative, but the other one's overly positive. You want to find a balanced thought of what I did was wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you think about it from a Christian perspective, the enemy wants you to be like, I'm, I'm a filthy sinner. God can't save me. Or the opposite, Katie. Or he wants you in the opposite, overly positive of, no, I, I'm a good person. But a balanced response is I am a sinner and God's grace is sufficient for me, right? So it's not about positive thinking. It's about balance and realistic thinking. And we'll have a whole episode on that of how to change our thoughts. Mm -hmm. There are many Bible verses that talk about keeping captive your thoughts to the obedience of Christ, about renewing your mind, right? that the thoughts and changing the thoughts are powerful. Yes. And so what we really want are thoughts that are truthful. Exactly. Some truth hurts, but it's truthful. And we know that it's truthful. And I love 
more biblical verses in regards to the power of truth, right, Katie? Mm -hmm. It says in John chapter 17, verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And in regards to the power of this truth, we see in John chapter 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? It will set you free. I have heard many individuals who come to to treatment and they describe their mental health struggle as feeling trapped, feeling like there's nothing that they can do to set themselves free. And so we know here, right, from the best prescriber ever, that the truth, the truth found in the Bible can set you free. That is so powerful because so many people are searching for that. And one of my personal burdens has been, there are many Christians who have God's word, right? But they utilize it as a spiritual guide of, okay, it's just for my spiritual health, but they don't use it as a practical guide. So a lot of Christians and a lot of non-Christians are like, well, you're Christian yet you're depressed and you're anxious. And because many of us Christians can be depressed and anxious, but many of us is because we're not utilizing this Mm. as our treatment manual. Mm. So Christian or non-Christian or whomever it may be, you can utilize. There's so much wise, wise counsel. Mm. And so what we'll be doing throughout the course of the series is utilizing this as a truth prescription and gathering every week or every two weeks, um, a truth prescription from the truth. So yes. we found a good prescription. Mm-hmm. That's just a good prescription, truth. Katie. The best prescription. Yes. And it's the truth, the Bible. And so now we have the best prescriber with the best prescription. And now the question is, well, what type of client or patient do I need to be to have the best results? Mm. So one of the true and false questions was that, we have to, um, we have, what, what is it that success depends on a therapist, finding a good therapist, but research actually shows that it depends on the client and it depends on one main quality. So Back to our question, yes. <laughs> what do you think is that one number one quality that makes a good client? Yes. Yeah, so number need- one. Before we said top, now we're looking for number one. Yes. And what do you think is know? needed in a client to make therapy successful? Mm-hmm. And it may have something to do with our series. Okay. Ah. Willing to change. Mm-hmm. That is a component of it. Yes. Yes. Any other responses? Number one quality that makes a client a good client. Client, patient, counselee. Any other responses? Katie gave that hint regarding <laughs> the topic, right? Someone says here, knowing that you need help. Mm-hmm. Okay. So an element of awareness. Okay. 
truthful. Mm. <laughs> so, Katie, what is it? What is that number one quality? Yes, being truthful. Ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. Which means being truthful about your need of help. So also ding, ding, ding on Robert's comment. Yes. Um, and then being truthful about how willing you are to change. So I think they all got it right. Yes. <laughs> being open-minded, not defensive, mm -hmm. which includes, which a lot of people have difficulty with is accepting, right? Their problem instead of blaming others. So a lot of times, oh, it was my parents' fault, or it was this, or this, or this. But accepting, being honest with yourself, being truthful about your condition, and being willing to be to put in the hard work. Therapy is hard work. Mm -hmm. A lot of clients I have, well, not a lot. Some clients I have that really struggle in getting better is because they have this illusion of of ease. Oh, I get into therapy and I'm gonna get better. Some Christians have that perspective when they, oh, I found the Lord. Life is going to be cruising. Mm. Not at all. Because life is, we live in a broken world. So that means that life will be difficult and it requires hard work. And for yeah. is this just in session? Does that mean they can, they just have to like really for an hour, like just really, you know, put on the work boots here? No. And so, as I mentioned earlier, the, the real treatment, the real therapy is not necessarily the time you spend with your, with your therapist. It's what you do to apply what you've learned in the outside, because that time with the therapist is going to come to an end. And so are you motivated outside of therapy, applying what you learn and having questions to come back and say, Hey, you know, we talked about this and I tried to apply it. I don't think I quite get it. I try to use that triangle you shared. Uh, I couldn't figure out what was that emotion attached to that thought? Can you help me? You are a member teamwork together. This is not just the therapist telling you what to do, but that teamwork in order for it to exist is for you to maintain that motivation and willingness to change in and out of your session and your treatment with your therapist. Yeah. So that's, that's really crucial. Um, in terms of consistency too, are you showing up on time? Because if you're showing up late to your sessions, that's not necessarily showing your motivation or a demonstration of your motivation for, for change in your life. Um, and I always say this, if you're too comfortable in treatment, maybe treatment is not being received. Mm -hmm. And I say that because when we go see a therapist is when we truly disclose what's the truth, the truth of what's going on with your struggles. And so if it's too comfortable, is the truth really being revealed? You know, and so just ask yourself that question. If you are currently in treatment or if you ever find yourself in treatment, are you really receiving the best prescription from the best prescriber? And are you being the best client? And being truthful in session and out of session. Many people go to therapy and they're okay. You know, I lay it out all in the therapy room. But then we're on the outside. We go to our work environment, we go to church, we go to other settings. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. And you're dying on the inside. That's not being truthful. So part of the this mental health series is really learning to tell yourself the truth and learning to tell others the truth. But you first have to start telling yourself 
and being honest and truthful as the patient. And we see that in the Bible. Psalms 25, 5 says, lead me in your truth and teach me. It's having this humility. It's saying, God, I'm coming to you, me as a patient, you as the prescriber. It says, for you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all day long. And I really like this verse because it, it's saying, I'm willing to learn, lead me in your truth, teach me. And I'm willing to wait because we have to be patient with our progress. You do not get better overnight. No. But it, it will come. And so I will wait on you all day long. Mm-hmm. We have another verse, Psalms chapter 145, 18. The Lord is near to all, not some, but to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And so that's another element of that teamwork of you taking the initiative to call on him, recognizing that in him is the best prescription. But as a client, are you calling on him? In truth. In truth. Mm-hmm. Because there are some who suppress the truth. So a lot of people have mental health difficulties because they're ignoring the truth, ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. Romans 1.18 says that there are unrighteous people who suppress the truth. That's the language it uses, suppress the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking about truth, it's they say truth is the pill that everyone wants, but that it's too hard to swallow. And so you as a patient, or perhaps you're also gathering this information for others. The question is, are you a truthful patient? Are you being honest that you need help? Many of us here might be thinking, oh, no, I'm good. I'm here learning for someone else. But we all need help. Mm -hmm. So are you being honest or are you suppressing the truth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Because if you are skeptical about treatment in itself, you may never find yourself in, um, in an office with receiving treatment. Mm -hmm. And you're robbing yourself from that the benefit that you could be receiving from going and seeing a therapist, of course, according to what we've been reviewing, what would be that best therapist? Because the honest truth is, while we may not have a mental health diagnosis, meaning schizophrenia, bipolar, we all have our struggles, and we could all benefit from utilizing um, treatment. So Katie, are we coming to a close now? Yes, we are. So we went through what three P's, Katie? So as a reminder, we went through the prescriber, right? We learned that God is truth. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the best empathic, unconditional, loving, cheerleader, competent, and truthful prescriber and therapist that we could have the wonderful counselor. We learned that the Bible the word is true, sanctified by the by your word, um, that the Bible is the best truth prescription. And then we learned that the best patient is the one that is truthful. If you are willing and motivated, that you can know the truth. Yes. And so in regards to the true and false question that we had earlier, People with mental health problems always struggle, never fully recover. Katie, is that true or false? That is false. 
That is false. And thank God that that is false, right? There is hope. I mean, we, we talked about having that prescript, the prescriber being someone who's hopeful, being that cheerleader for you. And so there is hope. And so we are excited that you joined us for our first series, but we will continue this series. And today was just an overview, um, more specifically on addressing why we chose truth prescriptions and understanding what does that even mean. But we are going to be going into the topics such as depression, anxiety, suicide, uh, the power of vulnerability, grief, suffering, addictions, and boundaries, and etc. There are so many. We have a huge list, so stay tuned. We are excited. But most importantly, we're not just going to be addressing this through a mental health perspective, but as we mentioned earlier, adding on the best what? Prescriber and prescription. And so I'm excited to discover how the Bible is so practical and how it can aid us through our mental health struggles. But before we close, mm -hmm. we don't just want information. We also want transformation. Mm -hmm. And for transformation, we need application. So with the theme of truth prescriptions, we can't let you go without your own truth prescription, right? Every, every episode, we will end with a truth prescription, something for you to work on in between each episode. So Chriselle, what is their truth prescription for until next time? Okay, so recognizing that the first step to change is being aware of what needs to change. If you don't understand or recognize that something needs to change, you're not gonna seek change. So the first step is to be aware. And so part of this application, this truth prescription that we're gonna be providing is in regards to becoming more aware. So take some time to reflect on and write down which areas of your life need change or a need of truth prescriptions. And remember, change may start where your comfort zone ends. I'll repeat that. Change may start where your comfort zone ends. So recognizing that you may need certain truth prescriptions, we encourage you to let us know if there are any particular topics that you'd like us to address through a biblical perspective. Um, we would love to address them and they may probably be already on the list that we have, but if not, let us know. So yes, we are leaving you with that truth prescription and that will help you the first step of change, which is raising up your awareness, right, Katie? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. So with that, we're going to close with a word of prayer and then uh, some quick announcements following the prayer. So let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much um, for your wisdom and your word, Lord, that we can have the best wonderful counselor there is. Lord, we are in so much need as a country, as a nation, as, as a planet, oh God. Um, we are in a mental health crisis and we need you as our prescriber. Lord, we also need your truth. You say that we should know the truth and the truth will set us free. How many of us are just captives or we are captives to our depression, to our anxiety, to our fears, our phobias, to, to selfishness, to fill in the blank, Lord. And I know that people watching, people who have joined us tonight or will join us later are in that captivity, Lord, and they want liberty. They've been struggling for so long. So Lord, I pray that they may find truth through this series, bless this series in a special way. 
And Lord, I pray that many times we get in, in the way of ourselves. And so I pray that each of us may be patients that are willing to change, that are ready to change, and by your grace can be changed. So Lord, please be with us. Please us till we meet again. And we just thank you in advance for the blessings and the mental health healing that will come as a result of your faithfulness. We ask these things and we praise you for them, not because we deserve anything, but because you are a wonderful God. You are a wonderful counselor. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. 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 So thank you for joining us. I just want to say that don't forget to take your daily dosage of what? The truth. Why, Katie? Because if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Great. And so we will see you in two weeks, not next week, in two weeks. That will give you a plethora amount of time to be able to do the application and increase your awareness. And don't forget to what, Katie? To subscribe as a way to see the uploaded video, to share the video with a friend, family member, coworker, etc., as well as to follow us on Instagram. That's where we post flyers and information about our following studies and following episodes, as well as just to, to share, right? To share um, because a lot of people are in need of this. And we hope that this is not just something that we do on Thursday nights, but it's something that could be a benefit for those who need it. Bye everyone, have a good evening. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.